Welcome to the Grace Based Family Podcast. This is Dr. Tim Kimmel. For over 40 years, our ministry has been teaching people all over the globe how to turn God's act of grace into the defining feature of their closest relationships. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation. I am here today with Ethan Clark. Ethan is a youth pastor at Scottsdale Bible Church. He has over six years of ministry experience. He is getting his master's in ministry, and he and his wife, Bethany, have been married for 10 years and have two super cute little girls. Welcome, Ethan. Thanks for having me. So can we start off, can you tell us, Scottsdale Bible Church is a big church here in Phoenix. Um, Do you know how many kids are in fifth through 12th grade between all of our campuses? Across the board, that's it's tough to put a number on, but I'd probably say about 500 kids wow. at least, but probably weekly, you know, attendance across all ministries and then, you know, camps, the scope is probably double that yeah. as far as kids that are influenced by the church. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, tell us, like, were you involved with youth ministry growing up? Yeah. So I, first time I went to youth ministry, sixth grade, I show up at the church. It's Argyle, Texas, small town. Yeah. They've bought a bus, which you can't do anymore. Well, <laughs> School bus. That's illegal now. <laughs> no, and they've given kids spray paint bottles, black, green, and we're going to camo the bus. So that's going to oh, be our transportation. So awesome. me and my friends, we're looking at each other. Kids are spraying each other with spray paint as, you know. Yeah, obviously. And we were like, this is not for us. <laughs> oh, no you one, didn't no like that. No one talked to us. No one came up to us. We kind of felt like this is, this is not our scene. The next year, a man by the name Nathan Bryant came, was the new youth pastor, and that was the the first time that I felt like someone really just looked at me and saw me and wanted to know me. Hmm. It didn't matter that I was a chubby kid with glasses, not cool, unconfident, um, but he, he made me feel seen, really, hmm. and made me feel acknowledged, and that was enough for me and my friends to go, hey, let's, let's give this thing a shot. This wow. seems, I don't know a lot about Jesus. And, and really church, yeah. but I, I like being here. That's so, awesome. And then yeah. you stayed connected through yeah, high school yeah, and yeah. then decided to go into ministry. Yeah. So it was about uh, my senior year. We always go on mission trips to Mexico. It was about a 13-hour drive down to Texas. And then oh. um, that last year we couldn't go because of cartel kind of stuff. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so we ended Legitimate up in, reason. in the Appalachians in Tennessee, kind of okay. ministering there. And uh, a man by the name of Maury Buchanan was giving a message that night and just communicating that mm. our deeds are kind of the passage Isaiah, filthy rags, <laughs> our righteous deeds. And so compared to what we can do versus what God can do is, mm. is nothing. And I remember feeling just stricken sitting there in the front row, second chair from the, the middle aisle thinking, is anyone else hearing this, my chest, wow. my heart beating out of my chest, the, the hair on my arm standing up, yeah. my face flushed. And, wow. and so it was at that point that my youth pastor asked a really innocuous question. Like, I want you to share what you got out of this week at the mission trip. And I thought, how did he know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like now being a youth pastor, you, you ask that every mission trip. But I was like, God. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that next day in front of 30 or 40 adults and students, I said, I, I wanted to go into vocational ministry. Wow. And so um, that's kind of what so started. So God spoke to you, yeah. Yeah. your senior high school, and yeah. you just followed that path. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Well, it is a noble undertaking because it takes a lot of energy 
to be a youth pastor. <laughs> yeah, at, at times can be a little tiring. A little draining. Yeah. Well, you know, Dr. Tim Kimmel, who started Grace Based Families, um, he was a youth pastor originally in the mm-hmm. 70s. And he said a lot of times parents would call him in or and say, hey, we need to meet. Can you just kind of see what's going on in our family and diagnose mm-hmm. or figure out what's wrong with our kid? Mm-hmm help him. He's, he's being rebellious. He's struggling in school. He's being, you know, he's not respectful. And he realized that the majority of the time, the kids weren't the problem. It was the parents. Mm -hmm. And so he built this ministry basically as um, a way to get to the heart of the parents to then trickle down to the kids. And so what are your thoughts on that? Like as your goal as a youth minister, are you thinking, um, my goal here is to outreach to the kids, disciple them. Is it evangelism? Is it building relationships? Is it ministering to the the families as a whole so that they can do this at yeah. home? And what's your role as a youth pastor? Yeah, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great question. It's always in um, flux. You're kind of like, hey, how can I best minister the gospel? How can I best make yeah. disciples out of these students? Because that's really my ultimate goal mm-hmm. is to make disciples. But you're totally right. The family is the biggest piece. Mm-hmm. And and really, for all these questions, you have to kind of put people into two groups. Basically, the non-believing mm-hmm. student that doesn't have parents that are attending church or really pursuing faith. Yeah. And then I'd say really probably 20% of my ministry are church attenders or parents that mm-hmm. are are typically there and their students also attend. Only 20%? Yeah. I, to be honest, of my high school youth yeah. group, as, wow, as students age, that. you know, yeah. more friends come that, that don't really, their parents <laughs> don't attend or don't make um, faith uh, a major component of their <laughs> their household. And so, like I said, for me, it's, I want kids to understand grace. If they, <laughs> if they can get grace before they graduate high school, then the truth will follow mm. um, because every student's wondering, who am I? That's That's the biggest question they're asking. And that's why you see kids making a bunch of really <laughs> horrible decisions why we all make horrible decisions <laughs> right. it usually comes back to identity and, and who god says we are and a lot of times people don't listen to that they listen to you know anything and everything else mm-hmm. so yeah so do you think parents expect youth workers pastors ministry leaders to be the main spiritual influence in their kids lives are they farming out their <laughs> spiritual <laughs> assignments to pastors yeah i i think parents do but it wouldn't be fair to say all parents sure. do that. Yeah. I think for a lot of parents, it's just they're trying to keep everything together. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a handoff almost in a race. Yeah. It's like, we're so tired and exhausted. Please take this. Mm. <laughs> Someone else carry this. I need a break for my kids right. and just everything that's going on. So parents are almost kind of, from my perspective, blindly handing that baton to me, mm-hmm. uh, to youth, to all my volunteers and just kind of saying, we trust this church. We trust you. Would you, yeah, do this discipleship yeah. thing? Um, but I, I don't also wouldn't think that most parents have like this robust theology or strategy for their right. child's discipleship in general, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Right. They're just trying to make sure their kids turn out into productive, healthy mm-hmm. human beings. Yeah. I remember that being in the youth group growing up at that kids would not talk about faith. Their parents wouldn't go to church. And basically, I think the parents were kind of saying, okay, well, 
here you go. This two hours on a Wednesday night and two hours on a Sunday is going to make you into this like spiritual champion. Good right. luck. And right. that puts right. a lot of pressure yeah. on yeah. youth leaders yeah. and pastors and volunteers. And research actually supports that parents are the most significant voice in their child's life regarding their identity right. and spiritual, right. spiritual right. formation. So what I hear you saying is like, yes, you play a role. But also the parents are just yeah, as I important, mean, if not more. <laughs> I mean, the amount of time a kid spends in their home is there, there's nothing else that comes close. Right. Now, sure, as they get older, there's more extracurriculars, more time when they get a car away from home. But still, most of that time is going to be with parents. Mm-hmm. And so what they see modeled is, is what they're going to mimic. That's, yeah. that's just how the world works. I've seen it with my young kids sometimes <laughs> right. in great ways, sometimes in not so great ways. Um, but that's that's the most important time is that time in the home. Mm-hmm. And we get 18 years with our kids now. Yeah. It's a way to make the most of that, of that time. Mm-hmm. What do you see kids struggling with the most? I mean, from when I was in the high school group 20, 30 years ago, I don't even know how long ago it was. <laughs> Um, it seems like there was different issues, or maybe they're not different. There is, I don't know, than what kids are struggling with now. What would you say is like the some of the bigger things that you're hearing and that you're burdened yeah. for these kids yeah. about? I think culturally, we're in a very different place. Mm-hmm. Um, this generation, Gen Z, is kind of living in postmodernism, mm-hmm. uh, which is essentially just this idea that there is no objective truth. Mm. And, and so I can't just walk into a high school, walk up to a student and be like, you know, there's a God, right? And he loves you, but there's this problem called sin and you're a bad person and we're all bad people. You need saving. They kind of give you this deer in the headlights look like, mm. what is this crazy pastor guy talking yeah. about? I don't even know if there's a God and I have a problem that I need saving from. Like, mm. I, I feel fine. I look fine. My life is going okay-ish. And, and so students don't really have that same framework or worldview mm. nowadays. And and so because of that, they're turning to other things um, to find life in. Mm. And the culture as a whole is moving at a pace that I think is really unsustainable. Yeah. Parents, kids, anywhere in between. And, and what I run into a lot is, is busyness, which causes an, an immense amount of stress and anxiety. Hmm. And so I'd say, really, there's nothing new under the sun. Kids are still struggling with the same things. Like I said, identity is a huge piece for Mm -hmm. for students, especially high school students. Um, But the amount of or the lack of free time Hmm. or time kids have that's unscheduled just to be kids is almost non-existent. I'll have kids that that are Christians. Without Mm -hmm. a doubt, I would say I'm going to see this student in heaven one day yeah. and they're struggling with sin patterns in their life mm-hmm. and i Ethan, i just don't know what to do you know crying to me and i'm mm-hmm. going okay you're in church seems like you have a, a prayer life seems like you're in the word seems like yeah. you're at a christian school yeah. you're doing all the things and then we start to look at their schedule and mm-hmm. they wake up at six to work out, go to school all day, mm-hmm. go to practice after school, do homework till 10 p.m., work all day Saturday. And then Sunday is a marathon of church, too. And so wow. there's never an outlet for a break. Um, and mm-hmm. it's not to say every kid is like that, but busyness, busyness looks a lot of different ways. Some kids are busy because they spend all their time on social media mm-hmm. or a video game or whatever it is and feel like they don't have space in their yeah. life because it's just being filled with 
other things to make them quote unquote busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the statistics on anxiety and depression and mm. stress and just a felt unhappiness yeah. or kids that, that stop doing things they normally do um, mm. because of this overwhelming, overwhelming feeling is, is astounding. And you could see stat oh. after stat, you know, online and wow. studies that are produced. That's what kids are, are mainly dealing with. And then of course, gender. Oh, I, that's <laughs> what I wanted to hear about too. You know, everything else, identity. students have a very different, like I said, it's a very different worldview. You kind of assume students coming to the church kind of have this subset of presuppositions mm-hmm. and then you find out they really don't. Right. I remember the Hodges decision came out and one of my, once again, core students retweeted or reposted something from the Rolling Stones saying this is a step back and doing violence against women was angry. And I was like, whoa, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> where did this come from? <laughs> like, well, I thought we were on the same page and not to say you have to have a completely, um, you know, similar just view theologically, but this is this is one area where we mm-hmm. don't, <laughs> abortion, the, the right to life, it, the sacredness of life is not something that we compromise on. And so it was a conversation I had to have, um, but there's just a lot of things that students are, just being inundated with mm. daily. Um, that is something we didn't, I didn't yeah. have to deal with and the previous generations didn't either. Yeah, so how do you approach that with if 80% of the youth that you, in general, about 80% mm-hmm. um, aren't church and so they don't have that same biblical right. view coming right. from their parents. <clears throat> how do you talk about gender identity and your identity in Christ and giving grace to yeah. people yeah. for the 20% that might be a little more, uh, not legalistic, but a little yeah. more square in their thinking. How do you bridge that gap? So there is grace between like allowing kids to come in that might be very confused yeah. about yeah. who they are. Yeah. I think the, the main thing, and I think looking back at my own experience in youth ministry is the relationship. Mm. And so that's why everything's built around relationship in youth ministry nowadays. It's how can we get back to the basics of being in students' lives? Mm. They don't really, the old adage, they don't know how much you have to say until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. Um, or they don't care what you have to say until they know how much you care. And and so that's the, the biggest piece. And so that's why we build youth ministry on small groups. We have adult leaders that do a heck of a lot like Mm. people don't realize how much goes into being a a youth worker not just a youth pastor but being in students lives having your phone on to text the student back when they're struggling suicidal whatever it is um, because that's that's what students need and so these students that come in the only reason they come in is because of relationship Mm. and to be honest it's not really me we get to go into schools we we have something called um, food and fellowship so we take pizzas Mm. into public high schools and we just kind of say hey I'm a Christian pastor. This is a faith-based club, but all are welcome. Mm. And just kind of provide a Christian worldview. Ask questions like, is there a God? Let's talk about it. And things like that. And students, some students, the more intellectual ones, may be intrigued by that and want to come. Mm -hmm. But typically, a student's not going to come to a church unless they have a relationship. And Mm -hmm. so it's going to be a, and mainly that's going to be a peer. And so that's what we're really trying to do is build community around that. And then once we earn that right to speak into a student's life, mm-hmm. then I then I can explain grace to them. Right. I mean, then maybe they'll hear it. Yeah. Um, but just this last weekend, I had a student that wants to get baptized. Mm. He's like, but I don't know if my parents are going to let me. I said, like, what, mm. what do you mean? And his parents are believers. And he said, well, they're going to say they haven't seen enough change in me. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> hand to face, like, wait, what? Yeah. What is happening here? Like, and so there's a lot of times, like I said, this this ministry here is so great because parents don't even get it. Mm-hmm. I think I need to see something before 
you can take this next step with Jesus. Yeah. And if Jesus said that to, to us, then no one would be saved. Right. No, one would be, <laughs> no one would be there. And so, sorry, it's a long answer to say we start with a relationship and then move to this this presentation of of the gospel mm-hmm. of grace. Obviously, we're going to do that every week, but it takes that that foundation mm-hmm. before they can they can yeah. hear it. And and they're going to understand grace because it seems like you guys are really focusing on administering grace yeah. and yeah. doing these. What is the pizza thing called? Food and fellowship. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like lunch and learn. What is that? Lunch okay. and learn. Yes, like. Food and fellowship. And for you to say everyone is welcome, a lot of Christian ministries would not say that. Yeah. You yeah. know, it'd be like, yeah. well, if if you're a Christian, come this way. But right. we're supposed to be salt and light of the world, and yeah. that is not putting ourselves in a little Christian bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have um, some acquaintances that um, years ago their kids were in the high school group, and they said. I didn't want my daughter to go anymore because there were non-Christians in her Mm. small group. Mm. And it was like, it made me sick to my stomach because I'm like, good, that's wonderful. (laughs) And she's like, I don't want them rubbing off on her. Like she's in a Christian school. She's in this close-knit Christian small group bubble. And um, so they asked and they switched her to a different group Mm. that had only, you know, Bible professing Christians. And I thought, huh. I feel like you're missing the point. Like what a way to minister and love on these non-Christians and for them to understand, to be in the world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> with, because that's the real world. Yeah, like we yeah, can't just keep yeah. our kids in a, in a Christian bubble. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a book called Growing Young, uh, Kara Powell out of, of Fuller. And uh, they, they Fuller kind of comes out with a youth study every yeah. couple years. And so it's an iteration of one of those kind of studies. And this, this generation is really can really get behind a movement mm-hmm. or a, some sort of action. That's that's what draws them in. And so, you know, to surround them with just other Christians that think like themselves, mm-hmm. you're kind of missing this piece of them realizing, wait, I need to do something about this. My yeah. friend doesn't know Jesus. Like mm-hmm. if we're just in this bubble, students miss that piece and it becomes kind of boring. Yeah. I think to a lot of a lot of our students, um, I'm seeing a response of just, wait a second, I, I do have friends, not like, the random stranger in the hallway, but like literally <laughs> the friend I've had since the first grade that doesn't know Jesus. And yeah. it's like, a, a, you see a light go off uh, for kids mm. and they go, oh, wait a second. This is, this is actually really exciting. This yeah. is actually giving me purpose. Purpose, right. And so that, that's one of the, the biggest things, youth ministry is how can we transfer that and show the students you, you do have purpose. Mm-hmm. God actually can use you. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you're not confident, you're insecure about how you look, what you sound like, everything. Right. God can still use you. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a huge part of, of what we do is trying to say, hey, here you go. Jesus has given this to me and he's given it to you too. Yeah. What are you going to do with it? Well, obviously it's working. If you guys have 80% of the kids are not church. <laughs> yeah, so they're, yeah. they are being encouraged to tell others. And like you said, whether they're on their team or, or classmate or right. neighbor, um, I think that's wonderful. That evangelism piece. Um, I'd like to talk about social, or it's not social media, just the digital yeah. world in yeah. general. Um, what should parents of teens understand about the social life, social media, and the whole digital realm? Yeah, I think this statistic will sound a little shocking at first, but Gen Z spends over nine hours a day on, on screen. Wow. Now, that does include computers and like TV media, which we don't necessarily view the same way, but it's about over three hours on social media, depending on what source mm. you look at. And so there's a lot of a lot of time there. And what's interesting is Gen Z is consuming media 
much differently than Gen Y or Gen X or any other generation. Mm-hmm. Um, the older generations want this professionally produced, curated, you know, yeah. top-notch production they're going to watch. Whereas Gen Z and younger are spending progressively more time on TikTok, which is really just, they're really just amateurs, really what they are. I mean, yeah. it's entertaining. Yeah. They've kind of figured it out. But but all these people on YouTube and TikTok are, are all amateurs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's curated specifically for a student's interests. Um, and you know about, about algorithms and everything. Yeah, and <laughs> they're the short, internet. right? They're right, little yeah, short. Yeah. And t- TikTok's you know, anywhere from 10 seconds to four minutes. Yeah. Um, but YouTube videos and things like that, some of them aren't even that short. But because mm-hmm. it's based on their interests, whether into mm-hmm. animation or drama or working out or... I knew a kid that was into trash trash trucks. <laughs> we had a kid in the youth ministry that was really, okay. he could tell you any model of dump truck. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and so there's there's something out there for you. Yeah. And so students are consuming that at, at a alarming rate or just a, mm-hmm. a more time. And so they're becoming fixated on one thing. Hmm. And, and then, like I said, social media, how it works is it kind of gives you what you want. Yeah. And so any student that maybe has a negative view of themselves or an obsession, that's just going to be kind of circulated over and over and over again. And so social media isn't all bad. I mean, there's some great things. I mean, mm-hmm. connectivity, um, being able to, I mean, there's there's a globalization of culture where you can find students and people that are yeah. struggling with things and, and there's people that are communicating great messages. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, especially for for me being a, a father of, of young girls, I you know, we've already kind of started to think about what is this going to look like for us? When, mm-hmm. when if they get a phone, when is that going to be? What are the capabilities going to be? Um, because body image um, for young women now mm-hmm. is, is just a, a, a plight um, for, yeah. for, for young girls, um, eating disorders, all these kind of things are on the rise mm-hmm. because of what they're comparing themselves to on social media. Sure. And, and to be honest, it's not just girls because now mm-hmm. fitness culture, I, mm-hmm. I played sports in high school mm-hmm. and I worked out for the sport. Right. I didn't really think much of like, I need to be this fitness Six model. Pack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that sounded boring. Star. I was like, I'm not going to go like work out to get this. And now there's like kids that have never played sport in their life. They're like in the gym five, six days a week talking mm-hmm. about meal plans and taking testosterone in order to become wow. what they see on social media. And so it's mm. it's kind of it has a strong influence, and so for parents, do you have any sort of parameter on that? Mm. Do you have any sort of guideline? I know it's easier to sit on the couch and have your student just quiet on their yeah. phone, um, but we have to be wise about how much time and what our students yeah. are consuming. And so I try to challenge students, but once again, I only have so much influence. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's great tools. Apple's even produced screen time. How much time do you? the students spend and so social media is is good but it's also can be quite destructive at the Mm -hmm. same time so do you think parents kind of fall in one of two camps with that where it's like hands off it's too overwhelming i don't understand it so like you said i'm just Mm -hmm. gonna let Mm -hmm. them do whatever yeah or i'm so fear-based that you're not going to have a phone until you're 18 like yeah or is it how do you find what do you suggest to parents that come to you that are struggling with like oh my gosh whether it's pornography or bullying mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. suicidal ideations because of what they're seeing online what are some of like the guidelines or um boundaries that y- have you shared any that yeah, are practical yeah. or helpful you know, for families you know what's interesting is like i said before the outsourcing of 
the spiritual development. I don't have a ton of student, ton of parents just coming to me asking me. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen happen is you kind of talked about this fear group and this kind of hands-off group mm-hmm. is typically, and this is natural, um, with a younger kid, there's going to be more parameters and more fear. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the same parents that are really concerned at a young age not be really concerned at all. It's almost like they start to lose hold <laughs> and control and start to go, well, I'll just, the rope slipped through my hands a little bit. But I'm just, I'm going to grab it. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, this is my new boundary line. And so mm. to be honest, it's never too late to start, but you need to start now and determine what it is you, you want to have as a, as a rhythm, as a rule. Um, and, and theology, we, as far as interpreting scripture, there's some things we call diaphora, which is a, a term that just basically means it's kind of gray. Like mm-hmm. some Christians will say, you can't, you can't drink at all. Yeah. You can never drink. And other Christians are like, wait a second, this seems like this is permissible gift from God. And so it, it's kind of one of these things that we can agree to disagree on. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd say social media is, is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Some parents are going to preclude it altogether and say, you can't do this. And others are going to say, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but setting up some sort of boundary and some sort of guidance is is paramount mm-hmm. students need um boundaries they need some sort of fence yeah little kids people feel safer when there's some something around them mm-hmm. they want that they even if they're going to push you on it they really actually want that because i know kids that are staying up till 2 3 a.m on their phones not yeah. getting enough sleep talking about being exhausted stressed sometimes it's like all you need to do is go to sleep put your phone away yeah and so um yeah, you have both ends. I'd say a lot of my parents are on the, we don't really try to fight that battle, mm. to be honest. Um, it's convenient for your kid to have a cell phone, to text you, to pick up, to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Brayden, um, who's in my son, who's in your youth group, uh, he turned 11 this year and he's like, everyone has an iPhone. I'm like, mm-hmm. It's not happening. Sorry. But we <laughs> got him, we got him the dorkiest phone because we are at that point where I do drop him off at yeah, the gym yeah, and he's yeah. like, I have no way to call you. So we got him the dorkiest thing, but it, all it does is basically text. The gab phone? Um, yeah. It's called pinwheel. pinwheel similar. Yeah. yeah. So he, anyway, he got it and he was like, thank you. I, this is so great. And then he's like, this isn't really fun. Like, <laughs> there's no games. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's the point. <laughs> the whole point is for like, we're communicating, like logistics, you know, yeah. and I have to approve all of his contacts. Yep, I can yep. read all the things. There's all the limits of shutting down the hours and stuff. And we, you know, there's no phone in the room or um, at dinner table, you know, we have mm-hmm, all these rules. Mm-hmm. But it is a lot to manage. Yeah, yeah. I am... It has worked out so far because it's not really addicting. There's nothing, yeah. he, there's no social media. Yeah. There's nothing. But I just love when he's like, oh, Mom, there's nothing to do. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's yeah. why you got that. That yeah. and we're. I don't know how long we're gonna stay with that, but as long sure. as we can, because yep. I, for me, I don't. I probably fall more in that fear-based camp. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's just a lot, especially if you're not technically savvy. Mm-hmm. Kids find workarounds yep. Yep. to all oh, these yeah. different, you know, blockers and stuff. But it's important yeah. at least to have good dialogue with your kids about it. And that's why. Family matters and, and developing character at a young age is yeah. key because I know students. Oh, my parents locked my phone. They took everything away. I can't talk to this boy anymore. I'm like, okay, great. But I'm using this app. That's a game. Yeah. And I chat through this game oh, app. Yeah. And so it's like almost impossible to completely, unless but, you just take the phone away altogether, yeah. to completely stop your student. And so unless they're just going to be willing to submit to authority, yes, and be obedient, have an obedient heart, right? Like 
ultimately they're going to find a way oh, yeah. around it. They're totally going to. They're, and they're, they're way more us. savvy. They're yeah. born with a smartphone now. So it's <laughs> exactly. like they, you're, you're already a, <laughs> fighting a losing battle. Oh, yes. Um, totally a losing battle. But, you know, and if they don't have a phone, one of their friends are going right, to show them something right, or, right. you know. So like you said, it's building character and teaching kids early how to just be responsible, right. whether they're uh, like we had a whole podcast on don't say any like bullying you wouldn't mm-hmm. say anything or share any photos or what that you wouldn't do in person like, right. if it's inappropriate right. <laughs> online right. it's inappropriate in real life then it's inappropriate yeah. for online too let's have some standards here kids and this this <laughs> other piece of the, the technology is students are losing the ability to just have a conversation yes because the conversation is always through the lens of fun. let me show you this video which is fun and you can mm-hmm. spend time but basically it becomes just a a time of scrolling, finding a funny video, sharing it, literally sending it to the other person on their phone. Maybe not even showing it on your phone. <laughs> yeah, sitting side by side, right, looking right. at the same. And one of my yeah. favorite pastors, John Mark Comer, he's limited screens and things to his kids. Yeah. And he says his kids go, my friends like don't know how to com- have a conversation. They think, think it's strange mm-hmm. that we ask questions. They like want to talk to me a lot because I ask questions that yeah. are like curious and just mm-hmm. normal. And, and so, you're finding that kids kind of don't really know what to do. And so especially when I have a new student, they're always nervous, of course. But I'm talking to them, I'm asking lots of questions, and you can kind of see the walls and the the wheels turning and then the walls starting to come down. Oh, okay, this isn't... This isn't yeah. so bad. And, and, and I don't want to be reductionistic and say every kid's socially inept. They're in school. But, but even in the public schools now, kids have AirPods in. Mm-hmm. They're always consuming music, media. I mean, yeah. that's just the way. And, and, and teachers in public schools, at least, have kind of given up. Like, you have phones in class. That's, there's, I don't know how, you, how yeah, they do that. There's, or there's, how you, there's apps. You can literally look at an equation. I don't know if you remember um, simplifying equations mm-hmm. in algebra, algebra. You can just scan it on your phone, take a picture of it, and it'll do it for you on your phone. <laughs> and oh, so it's wow. just, it's crazy what, what you can do that with phones now. very overwhelming to think. It, like you said, we're not going to outsmart it, but we just have to set some parameters and say, I know one thing for us, it's like, okay, if we're going to grandma's house or we're going to, we're not bringing phones. We're right. there to engage. We're right. there to talk. No one can have a phone. We're not putting yep. our face in a phone. We're here to hang out with our friends and yep. family. Yep. We yep. don't need that. Like we're here. If you need to talk to right. us, we're here, right? <laughs> right? But it is—it's hard, yeah. and it's—it's it's a grind for parents. And I think the parents have to be willing to do it themselves. You can't oh, for just sure. say, <laughs> "Hey, sure. get off your phone," and then dad or mom are working yeah. at nine o'clock or checking emails or on their computer yeah. or always on the TV or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. we have to—we have to model it, right? And, and so that's something that I have had to be cognizant of mm-hmm. with my little girls. Like, dad, play with me, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm just." On my phone right now. Yeah. They see that. They notice that. Yeah. And so we have we have to model it. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You said earlier, um, one of the big issues that you think is fa- are facing kids right now is anxiety due to just busy, busy schedules. Mm-hmm. And I guess one thing that we all struggle with is how much should how critical is it for parents to make church a priority when there already are so many, you know. Yeah school stuff sports stuff work for the older kids Mm -hmm. um is it the end all be all like should we really make that a priority or is it more important about like what is going on at home yeah i'd like to say that the home is is the most important i think it is it's Mm -hmm. the most influential place um but what is being modeled by not prioritizing church Mm -hmm. you can't expect a student to go through 18 years of living at home and we go to church one or two times a week or if we feel tired or it's not convenient to go, we don't go. And then when they 
graduate and go to college and live their own life that they're going to somehow decide I need to be here every week mm-hmm. and really commit to this. And and so, yes, 100 percent surprised. I know this is self-serving for me as a youth pastor. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but but I'll have a student get baptized, have this amazing experience, hear this testimony. I'm like, oh, yes. And then their parents don't bring them for a couple of weeks or they're busy mm-hmm. or oh, I couldn't go. We went shopping instead. And I'm like, we meet. We've changed our model to once a week, yeah. Sunday nights. There's a coinciding service, at least at my campus, 5 to 7.30. It's two and a half hours because we realized it's too hard during the week. People have extracurricular. Older kids have stopped coming mm-hmm. in the week because they put sports and other things over church. Mm-hmm. And we teach kids commitment. We teach kids, hey, this is really important. If you start something, you need to finish something. Like whatever sport or drama thing it is, we're at every practice, every fundraiser, mm-hmm. busting our tails to make things happen, telling our students they need good grades. And yet when it comes to church, this it somehow seems optional. Mm. And and Hebrews tells us, let's not give up meeting together as yeah. some of the habit are doing. Yeah. Like we need to remind ourselves. What's interesting about this passage is right before it, it talks about we, we can enter the throne room of grace boldly. Mm. And yet there seems to be this connection of, we need other people to remind us of that. Mm. We need we need community. We need other people to show us how to walk with Jesus. And students, while their parents are the number one influencers, need another adult voice. And more than that, they need to see peers that are living out their faith. Yeah. And so church every week isn't going to be sexy. It's not going to be exciting. It's not going to have this amazing experience every week. Um, but that's a lot of life. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of Christianity is just being faithful and walking with Jesus, living a quiet and peaceful life. Mm-hmm. And so when parents don't prioritize church, they're basically communicating God and church are not that important. I know there's some households, maybe there's a devotional, there's worship, there's a lot of healthy rhythms that are happening. But I think for the most part, parents feel a little inept, feel Mm -hmm. like they don't necessarily know what to do now that their kids are older, especially. Mm -hmm. You can't whip out the Jesus Storybook Bible and maybe read that to them. (laughs) Maybe you do. I I still enjoy it. I do too. Um, But but you get to a point where I don't really know what to do. Mm -hmm. And my students stop talking to me. They need someone else to talk to. And they, they need that kind of catered. Once again, they're used to consuming in social media the specific message just for them. Yeah. They, they need that in their lives. It's just such an important and foundational moment in their faith. So to not prioritize church, to me, I just, sometimes it's it's hard for me not to go, well, your student's having problems. Well, he's only been here once every yeah. eight weeks. Right. Like, I don't know what you're doing at home, but I know what I ate once once a week is not enough, mm-hmm. you know? So I'd say that's the minimum is be at church. Yeah. That's the minimum. Yeah. I know for me growing up, I was in a Christian light home, I would say. Mm-hmm. My parents were new believers and um, I started going to youth group and my parents could tell me something and it would go in one ear and out the other <laughs> because you're just a teenager yep, and you're like, yep, whatever, yep. mom. But then I would have a youth leader or pastor say the same thing and it right. would just transform me. Yep. I'd be yep. like, oh my gosh, that's so true. Yep. Like, oh, they're so smart. <laughs> and I'm like, I've been saying that the whole time. Yep. So it's just such a great um, marriage between what the church is trying to do and what parents are trying to do, right? Yep. Helping these kids grow in their relationship with the Lord. So I'm with you. I do think church, you know, is a priority, but also needs to be continued at home because yeah. that's where the kids spend the majority of the time. Um, I know we're running short on time, but I just wanted to ask you if you think, are parents a little too overprotective de- these days? I mean, you kind of alluded to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you, are they struggling to like allow their kids just to like 
fail at things or make mistakes because they want it to just have this Christian image or for them yeah. to be, you know, a scholarship athlete or mm -hmm. National Honor Society. How are parents, like based on what you hear from these kids, mm -hmm. are parents putting too much pressure on kids to overperform or um, not fail at anything? Or yeah. is that just social media and society putting that pressure on yeah. kids or do you not really see that at all? I think it's obviously it's a, a both and mm. um, nature and nurture. There, there's this piece of, yeah, that's culture is communicating that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, some of our cultural messages are good. Like, oh, you're great the way you are. You're, mm -hmm. Who you are is perfect, mm -hmm. which can be a semi-positive message, but really dangerous <laughs> at the <laughs> right. same time because you're not perfect. Um, you're not great the way you are. That's why you need Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I think parents fail to combat that. And so some parents maybe aren't pushing their students so much, but they're also not giving a counter message. They're also not saying, hey, here's what the gospel is. Here's what God says. Here's what we focus on in our family, mm -hmm. like relationships, character. We don't necessarily care if you're the best. And I, I tell my students this a lot. I go, chances are you're not going to be. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be anybody. <laughs> like, I'm okay with that. God has, has given me a calling and a flock to care and tend for, and, and I'm going to give him glory through that. And so what is it? Not that you can't be great, but what is it that you can give God glory through right now? Mm -hmm. But part of that is, is balance and resting as well. And so I think students feel um, the pressure, and then the parents aren't necessarily combating that or saying, you know, it's okay if you fail. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you don't want to do this. It's okay if you want to lay this down. And the problem is parents are broken people too. And mm -hmm. so some dad, those are wrestler in high school, wants to live vicariously through his, his son or right. whatever it is. And so you get those those patterns. Um, but I, I, I'd say there is a little bit, back to your fear kind of question, there is a little bit of fearfulness. But once again, it kind of progressively leaves. I, I had a group of parents, hopefully they're not listening, but I, I, I ran a 7 12s at high schoolers and I think I was going to provide energy drinks at a lock-in mm -hmm. or something. And an email went to someone at the church and it was like, well, this is 18 plus. These aren't 18 year olds. And no. it was like this whole huge thing. It was like this stand of passionately against energy drinks, which I, I'm not saying a 10 year old should have an energy drink, but it was just kind of like, yeah, I kind of assumed like, You've raised your kid in a way where they're going to say, yes if I know no. I'm not supposed to do this, I'm not going to partake in it. Yeah. Um, but for me, parents seem to be passionate about the wrong things. Hmm. And I like I don't want to get in the COVID mess, but like if you're more passionate about masks than you are about Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. that's a problem, mm -hmm. right? If you're more passionate about some political idea or whatever it is, your thing, then Jesus, students will pick up on that. Yeah. And so that tends to be the problem for me is not so much... Um, Jesus, it's just focusing on the wrong things. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you said that <laughs> because we can see that a lot here. People are focusing on my kids doing this. Okay. Well, where are they serving? Yeah. What's your yeah. relationship like yeah. with them? Let's yeah. get to the bigger picture. Do they know the Lord? What mm -hmm. is your, what are your rhythms of your home? Um, if only parents would blank, fill mm. in the blank. If only parents would be consistent. <laughs> mm. I, th I think now there's, if only parents would say no. Mm. If only parents would say no. Because parents seem to, even Christian parents, not want to disappoint their kid or make them do something that's uncomfortable for them. Mm. 
I get a lot of parents, even that attend our church, I will... They're nervous about coming. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, they have, they have, they have social anxiety mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to reduce a clinical diagnosis to something insignificant, but everybody had social anxiety growing up, especially in junior high. <laughs> the first time you ask a girl to dance in the sixth grade is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's social anxiety all throughout life. Mm-hmm. And, and so parents need to say no, or just put their foot down and say, you are going to do it. It's okay to tell your kid what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And so part of that might be, you're going to attend church, even though you don't want to tonight, even though you have this thing, even though you have homework, guess what? You're going to come back later and do it. Or this afternoon, you're going to do it or whatever it is like making that a priority, but, but making a stand for something. I think parents are so concerned with taking care of their kids and protecting them in some ways that they fail to just say no at times. No, we're going to do this. No, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing is, yeah, I'd, I'd say we already said it, but church making it a priority yeah just if they would do that and then for me there's a lot of kids that have friends that aren't believers Mm -hmm. and so i'm like if parents would only model it and disciple the other kids Mm. when they have them in their home yeah read a psalm pray before dinner just little things yeah extend grace when your kid's friend messes up or your kid messes up because kids are not i mean the amount of stories at Christian schools and public school that I hear of kids, what's going on at home is just, mm. it's, it's crazy. It's really sad. Yeah. I, I was meeting with a student at a club. I said, can I pray? Can I pray for you at all? Sometimes I'll just walk around and ask kids for prayer. I'm good. I'm on new meds. I'm happy. Yada, yada, yada. I said, okay, great. And then I go, you're talking about your mom a lot. We're in conversation. I didn't hear anything about your dad. Oh, well, it's a really sad story. My dad killed someone when I was one. He was taking sleeping pills and accidentally ran someone over and he was in prison my whole life. And then recently at Thanksgiving, he asked me to come over. I said I couldn't because we had plans. And then he told me just to basically cuss him out, said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. The dad to the son. I said, well, how'd that make you feel? Well, yeah, I'm really hurt. I'm hoping he mm-hmm. comes to me. And, and so it's just like a snapshot of this kid. Everything's good. And yet mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, you have a lot going on. And so if Christian parents... Yeah. can just begin. They don't need to preach at kids, but right. just model grace, model love to their own kids and own families. And those kids that do come in, man, that's that's mm-hmm. a huge witness mm-hmm. and a huge piece of the of the yeah. battle. And sometimes those kids end up coming in yeah. and then their parents end up yeah. coming, which yeah. is cool yeah. to see. So cool. That's awesome. Well, parents have a hard job. Youth workers have a hard job. We're both appointed by God, <laughs> right? To, yeah. to lead these kids Amen. to know and follow Jesus. So thank you for being here, Ethan. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Grace Space Family Podcast. This is part of Family Matters Ministry. For more information, check us out at gracebasefamilies.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time.